Let us pray. Gracious God, we ask your blessing upon us as we study First Peter today. We pray that you would open our hearts to your grace and truth. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Wives, in the same way, accept the authority of your husband so that even if some of them do not obey the word, they may be won over without a word by their wives' conduct when they see the purity and reverence of your lives. Do not adorn yourselves outwardly by braiding your hair and by wearing gold ornaments or fine clothing. Rather, let your adornment be the inner self with the lasting beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in God's sight. Husbands, in the same way, show consideration for your wives in your life together, paying honor to the woman as the weaker sex, since they too are also heirs of the gracious gift of life, so that nothing may hinder your prayers. Finally, all of you have unity of spirit, sympathy, love for one another, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or abuse for abuse, but on the contrary, repay with a blessing. It is for this that you were called, that you might inherit a blessing. Now, who will harm you if you're eager to do what is good? But even if you do suffer for doing what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear what they fear. Do not be intimidated, but in your heart, sanctify Christ as Lord. Always be ready to make your defense to anyone who demands from you an account of the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and reverence. Keep your conscience clear so that when you are maligned, those who abuse you for your good conduct in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good if suffering should be God's will than to suffer for doing evil. So right off the bat, we have this verse that on the surface seems controversial, wives in the same way, accept the authority of your husbands. Uh, I think that we need just to start with that phrase, in the same way, because this is a journey we've been on, and Peter has just been addressing slaves and um, invited them to change the relationship they had with their suffering to see it as a partaking of Christ's suffering. And last week, you might recall, we had that conversation as to why Peter was not out to abolish the institution of slavery. And we really came up with two things. One, uh, this was a socially marginalized community, right? Um, they did not want to draw too much attention to themselves. They were small. Uh, they did not have a lot of power. And so they did not really feel equipped to do that in the way that we might feel ourselves equipped to do that today. But second, they thought the end was near, that Jesus would return. So whenever he says in the same way, he is inviting people to embrace their suffering from a different perspective, to embrace an ethic of willingly uh, submitting to another out of love as Christ did for us. Now, there's that verse about the purity and reverence of our lives, how people can be won over without a word uh, by our conduct. And as tempting as it might be to read this as Peter trying to keep women in their place, I really don't think that's what's happening here. You know, we all love that phrase from St. Francis, preach the gospel always, and if necessary, use words. And I really think that Peter is saying something very similar to the people of his community, that the best witness we have as Christians is the purity and reverence of our life. And he says something very similar when he says, let your adornment be the inner self. It's not about the gold ornaments or the fine clothing. 
And it would be a mistake to take this too literally as if Peter's real concern were the jewelry we wore or that he was trying to put a ban on braiding our hair. That's not it at all. It's actually more about what is it that adorns ourself? Where is our value to be found? Is it in something outer? Are we attempted to adorn ourselves with a good reputation, with a good resume, with a PhD, with a lot of money, with you know, staying forever young and beautiful? There's a million ways in our culture that we adorn the outer self, that we beautify the outer self. And you know, Peter's reminder is, as God's holy people, let your adornment be the inner self. In other words, know that God's spirit lives within you, that you are chosen and loved and allow that inner beauty to shine and to give you confidence. And that word he speaks is not just to the women, by the way, the way this letter works is that what he says to women, he also means for the men to hear and what he says to the men, he also means for the women to hear. And so it's not just that the women are invited to have a pure and reverent life that bears witness to the gospel or that the women alone or to let their adornment be the inner self. But this is really Peter's instruction to the whole community. Now, whenever he does speak to the husbands, you'll note that he invites them to pay honor to the women as the weaker sex. Just to kind of clear this up, Peter is not saying that women are inferior or less capable than men, not at all. This is actually a reference to social weakness, because it was true that in Roman society, women did not have the same privilege, the same rights as men. Paul says something very similar in 1 Corinthians when he basically says that God chose the weak of this world to shame the strong. God chose those without power, without privilege, the weak in society. And essentially what Peter is saying is, you know, the rules in the church are different than they are in society. It might be so that in Roman society, women are considered weaker, less privileged, but in the church, they have equal standing. And so notice he says, pay honor to them since they too are also heirs of the gracious gift of life. And I think we often miss the radical nature of this, right? The church was radically egalitarian. And so what Peter is doing here is not trying to throw holy water on men being over women or having more value or power than women. Rather, he's acknowledging that women in society at the time were considered weaker, that they didn't have the same privilege, and that men in the Christian community were to treat them as equals. And so actually this verse that we're tempted to uh, be insulted by is a call to radical equality and love. Verse eight, have unity of spirit, sympathy, love for one another, a tender heart, a humble mind. If someone insults you, repay with a blessing for to this you were called. And of course, this goes all the way back to the call of Abraham. When God says, I will make you a blessing I will bless the whole world through you. I have blessed you so that you might be a blessing. And if we ever need a reminder as to what the mission of the church is, we have it here. Our mission is twofold. It is to receive God's blessing and then to share that blessing with the whole world, right? Because there's only one blessing, but we can only share that which we receive. We take the blessing in and then we take the blessing out. And this is what it looks like. Do not fear what the rest of the world fears. Do not be intimidated. Verse 14, whenever we know that we're blessed, 
whenever we know that we have an inner self that is adorned by the Holy Spirit, to go back to verse four, we don't have to be afraid. You know, so I wonder what it would look like for you to live your life without fear, or maybe to live your life without all the fears and insecurities that we tend to carry around, right? Uh, Peter says, don't be intimidated. This is a small, marginalized community uh, in a hostile society. He says, there's no need to be afraid, right? Because you have been blessed by God and you have a calling, even in the midst of your suffering, to bless other people. And then my favorite verse, always be ready to make your defense to anyone who demands from you an account of the hope that's in you, yet do it with gentleness and reverence. And that word reverence appears again, right? Verse two, when they see the purity and reverence of your lives, it's a very important word for Peter because ultimately reverence is a posture of knowing who we are and knowing that God's called us and that God loves us. And whenever we know that, we will only speak words of gentleness. Not that we won't be tough at times, not that we're pushovers, but you know, whenever we're not gentle, we're usually compensating for something, you know, compensating for not knowing that we're loved and safe. But here, you know, Peter says, you don't have to go out and convince everyone Christianity is true. You don't have to go, you know, make a case for why the Bible is the word of God, but you do just need to be ready. That's all he says, always be ready to make your defense to anyone who demands an account of the hope that's in you. And so one of the things to think about this week is if someone were to ask you, why do you have hope? Why do you go to church? Why do you listen to this Bible study? Why do you care? Why is faith important? What would be an authentic answer to that question? And that's all that ultimately is being asked of you, just to share the faith that's in you, not to share uh, the faith that's not in you, but to share the faith that's in you, right? Why do you have hope in your life? And so as we go about this week, I invite you to do a few things. First, to ask the question, what does it mean for me to let my adornment be the inner self, right? What are the outer things that I tend to adorn myself with, to use to bolster my sense of self? What would it mean to let my adornment be the inner self? That's one question. And the other question is this, if asked to give an account for the hope that's in you, what would you say?